Welcome to the Glow Girl Podcast, your go-to source for learning how to work with your cycle and optimize your hormones, gut health, and metabolism to get the results that you want. I'm your host, Alyssa Curl, an online holistic nutritionist and personal trainer who's helped hundreds of women take charge of their internal and physical health so they can get to the root cause of their imbalances and achieve their fitness goals without the crazy protocols or the restrictive diets. Like many women, I've had my fair share of hormonal imbalances, gut issues, and I struggled with disordered eating for years, which is why I made it my mission to help women like you avoid the same mistakes I made, because you can live a healthy lifestyle and practice balance at the same time. And you're next. Grab a glass of wine or your favorite mocktail and get comfy, because it's time to glow, girl. Hello, Girly Pops. Welcome back to another episode of the Glow Girl podcast. We have a fun guest today. Julia, would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. My name is Julia Campagna. I am a registered dietitian and health coach. So been through a, a really long journey to get to where I am today, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, but yeah, I started in the fitness space I don't even know how long ago at this point, um, years ago, probably like eight-ish years ago. And I've evolved a lot during that time, you know, started from day one where I knew hardly anything to now being a health coach for women and, and serving a lot of women and helping them change their lives. And so the evolution has been a lot, but I am just very excited to be able to help other women and be in this role that I am in today and do not regret all the struggles that I have gone through to get here for sure. Yeah, I I think it's the thing that we're going to talk about today, which we'll talk about in a second, is obviously like just diet culture and like ditching diet culture. And we both have a, a dietetics background, which I want to like chat with you about just like your kind of thoughts about like rds and like the clinical space and things like that um but before we get into today's episode because i feel like we have a lot to cover um we're gonna share some wins and some one percent betters from the week so would you like to go first or do you want me to go first uh sure i could go first so my win is honestly like just a health matter that i had going on this week um but i had a kidney stone and i finally got that taken care of this week so that's that's good it's you know i don't know so basically what happened is I found this kidney stone that I had, didn't know I had it, just they, I had some other issues and then I went to get an ultrasound and it showed up and I was like, oh, cool. So um, they told me it was large enough that if I passed it on my own, I would be sent to the ER and in immense pain and like the whole nine yards. And they were like, it would happen. It could happen in a month. It could happen in 10 years from now. You never know. So I was like, I don't really want to just like one day be in excruciating pain and have to go to the hospital. So let me take care of that. So I went and there's like, I don't know, like shock waves or something that goes like through your body and can like break up the stone and like make it into small little pebbles. And they say like, you can still have discomfort passing it, but it's nothing like crazy. I haven't, don't think I've passed it yet because I also have to like get samples and like bring it to my doctor. Haven't done that yet. So (laughs) I'm just waiting for this day that like it's going to pass, but at least it's smaller and I got that taken care of. So that's definitely a win. That was stressful. I did. I was like so nervous to drink water (laughs) for so long. So I'm like, I do not want this giant kidney stone to pass on its own. So that's done and over with. So now that whole stress is behind me. Um, And then my 1% better is honestly feeling like the last few weeks it's kind of been going on but this like whole stress and like doing like picking up different hobbies and things that I enjoy um because I feel like for a really long time I was like eat breathe sleep gym and nutrition and that was like my identity and I've kind of been like okay well what am I gonna do on days that like I don't have anything to do like yes I still go to the gym and stuff but I want to like enjoy something else And that's been reading. And so just last week, I set a reading goal for my year of, I had it at 50 books. And then I was like, let's dial that back a little bit. So I put it to like 35, 40 books this year I want to read. I'm already done with two. 
so we're on we're on a good path i'm reading two currently and we actually talked about verity we briefly talked about that on instagram we did um i just started that i still am yeah chapter three but um that and i'm reading another book called uh divine rivals i'm almost done with that i have like 50 pages left so that's my like one percent better is and i think okay i'm like rambling but um (laughs) i for a long time i thought that my reading had to be like self-development books and business books and like that's all i consumed and being a business owner within that it was sometimes just causing me more stress to like even on my downtime be reading about business and like what i could do to be better and so i was like you know what i i need to stop reading these books for a little bit i love them still but I switched to more like fictional fantasy, just like good reads. And it has done wonders for me. Like I don't like scroll my phone as much. I don't watch TV really at night anymore. I'm just like enthralled in this book that I'm reading. And it totally helps like my stress and my mindset and just like giving me actual time away from business and all that kind of stuff. Dude, I I feel you on that 100% because like last year, my goal was to read more because I was like thinking about how many books I had read over the past couple of years and it was like none. <laughs> like ever since I was done with school, like no books. Yeah. Uh, and so I had like made this huge list of like all the personal development books I wanted to read and, you know, like nonfiction. And I would get, kept trying to like switch off on both of them. And I just felt like that overwhelmed, like every time I picked up a personal development book, because like I already like throw myself into that all day with my clients and yeah. things like that. Like I, I just couldn't get through it. And so I was like, why am I reading stuff that is not entertaining or like, just like, it's not encouraging me to want to read. And so like what my thing is, like I'll listen to a personal development podcast in the morning on my walks, right? Super easy. I'm already doing that. And then like at night I'll read like my fun book. And so last year I read a total of maybe four books. And like this year I'm, I'm like, you already have like two done. <laughs> So we love that. Yeah. We just got to find books that, that we like enjoy. So, you know, if you're not a person, I mean, personal development books are great to read. Like, you know, we should all work on our personal development, but if you don't enjoy a specific thing, like find something else. Right. Yeah. And I totally agree with you with the podcast thing. Like I still, I listen to audiobooks like when I'm driving or on a walk or like doing cardio on the Stairmaster or whatever, like I'll listen to audiobooks I'd rather the person talk to me about like self-development but yeah when it's like my time that like I'm winding down from work I don't want to pick up another self-development book and then like read about work basically until I go to bed like I need some time to shut off from that so definitely switching to like my reading just being like fictional just fun fun reads has been a game changer for sure Oh, dude, a thousand percent. I feel you on that one. And also like, good luck with your kidney stone. <laughs> I, hope it, I hope it passes uh, easily. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Thanks. Fingers crossed. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Yeah. And keep me, keep me posted on Verity because I want to hear your thoughts after you're done. I don't um, know. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So my, my win from this week, I think is like kind of your 1% better as far as like my stress has like, that's been my, my goal for this year is like to really manage my stress well and so I've been like doing a lot of like breath work on this uh app that I signed up for for this year and it's it's really been like helping me a whole ton um and like just like that reading more like just really finding ways to to get like some downtime like I have outsourced um like cleaning because I usually would like clean deep clean twice a week which would take away from like my relaxing time on Saturdays. And so like I have outsourced that to some people. Um, and now I'm like, oh my God, I get to actually relax on my weekends and actually have downtime. This is so great. Um, so that's my win from this week. It's been great. And then 1% better is, oh my God, I had it and I just totally lost it. Um, I, I think I said this last week, but I need to be better at like reaching out to friends and loved ones. Like, I'll say like, hey, I'm going to text this person to check in on them. And then I like in my head, I think that I text them, but I don't. And then I'm like, oh yeah, like why, why haven't they replied back to me? I'm like, oh, well, I never even reached out. Like, this is so great. And like, they have like a lot of ADHD moments recently. Um, and so I need to do better at at reaching out to, to friends and family. Like I want to be more social this year. And so we got to figure I- that out. I love that one. That was actually my goal from last year or two years ago because I 
I'm somebody and I feel like we all kind of do this where we're like we're gonna get together and then it just like never happens and you're like okay well it was nice to like say that but I actually want to make it happen and so that was definitely one of my goals over the last I don't know last year the year before but no matter what like if somebody to an extent I guess it's not great because I feel like then I I was saying yes to everything like burning myself up but I found found the common ground with boundaries But I was saying yes to a lot more things. Like, even if I was like, I have to drive to like do this or that. It's like, what's the big deal if I have to drive an hour to go see my friend or whatever it is? Like, you're going to have so much better experience and like just enjoy their company. Like, there's nothing really bad that's going to happen besides maybe you'll get home a little bit later and like go to bed a little bit later. That's it. And so I, I just realized like I was doing that a lot where I was like, yeah, let's totally get together and like do this. And it just wouldn't happen. And so I was like, fuck that I don't yeah but fuck that like I'm gonna like (laughs) I know I I'm like such like a homebody introvert so you know like I'm very you know routine and I I have to just get comfortable with like it's okay to be off your routine sometimes and like go do things and so that's yeah that's my my one percent right now we need to we need more social (laughs) I love that I think that that is a great one percent though yeah you can you can hold me accountable you can check with me next week and say did you check with your friends <laughs> have you reached out to them in the last month <laughs> oh my god I know okay well um as always please guys share your wins and your one percent betters with us because I love hearing from you guys as well um and we can all hold each other super accountable yes. yeah. <laughs> um okay so let us let's hop into today's episode and I want to go back to your background with being a registered dietitian. So tell me a little bit about like what made you want to become a registered dietitian? Yeah. So it's a long story. I don't even know where to start with this, but (laughs) basically I, um, I actually switched my major to start like going into dietetics my last semester of undergrad, like my very last semester. My parents were in shocked and not very happy with that decision because I literally had one semester to go but I was like f this I can't I can't I was um going for elementary education at the time and my last semester I had to do like the whole student teaching thing and I was just like you know I cannot see myself doing this actually like I I don't want to do this anymore and so I switched and um what really kind of sparked me starting that was that I did have an eating disorder my sophomore year going into junior year mm-hmm. I had an eating disorder went through the whole shebang with that and I then like soon after that I actually started mm-hmm. on Instagram like started a fitness page and I saw how many people just like commented on my stuff and enjoyed what I had to talk about with like body confidence and just like getting over my eating disorder and so I was like you know what? I I think I can do this like I want to help other women not go through what I went through or if they had get through it faster than just like letting it stick with them their entire lives like I didn't want that for mm-hmm. any other women and so that was my like aha moment that I was like okay I want to go for nutrition but what do I do with nutrition and I was like dietetics let's do that so I switched my major my last semester of college and then um because it was my last semester of college I actually had to go to a community college for two years to do my prerequisites to even get into the master's program for dietetics um so I did two years after my undergrad and then my actual dietetics program was two years long as well to get my master's in that degree so it was a little bit of a whirlwind of a couple years just trying to figure it out and like how I was going to make this work Mm -hmm. um but it all started with that eating disorder and kind of my own experience with that, that kind of geared me to, to change. And I'm so glad at this point, like looking back, I'm, I'm so glad that I did it. Yeah. The eight years of college sucked and I really wanted to be done with it a lot sooner, but yeah. I am so glad to be in the career that I'm in now. And like, I wake up every day and I love my job. Like I don't hate my job at all. I'm very excited every day. There's something new. Like I just really enjoy it. And so it was definitely worth it for me to to make that switch. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel you like dietetics is, is one of like the, the most interesting majors, but it's so hard to get into. Like for me, I, it took me six years to graduate, like in my undergrad, because it took me two years to actually get into the program. Um, and then I, 
after I graduated with my undergrad, I was like debating if I wanted to go and get my license or not. And so I worked at uh, UCSF for two years, like as a, as a diet clerk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I actually want to go like the clinical route, like the RD route, just because of, of a lot of the things that I saw like in, in the hospital. So I'm, I'm curious to know, like, did you at all work in a hospital setting? And like, what was your experience like? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough that in my master's program when I was doing it, we had to do, so you have to get 1200 hours of supervised practice (laughs) before you can even graduate and then take the exam. So during my like time of practice, they allowed us to take like each separate, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like kind of dietetic. So I did like food service first semester. I did clinical first semester. I did an elective, which was an eating disorder um, private practice, which was my favorite. And then, so I just like bounced around to figure out what I liked, but I did do clinical. We had the option of doing a hospital or like a rehab center. I knew that I did not want to be in a hospital. I could not see myself being enclosed in a hospital my whole life. So I was like, no, I'm not doing a hospital. So I went to a rehab center and worked in a senior living center. Mm-hmm. And even still, like the things that I saw there were, first of all, like, I know that you see this in hospitals too, but like no one prepares you for like death and things like that, honestly. Like it was really, it's really sad at some points because like you get hooked on your patients and then it's just like, yeah. you know, they're they're elderly. And so that's very common and it is sad at points. And also just like, where I was, um, again, they're seniors. So like their mobility was really poor and like they couldn't get around. So like the injuries that I saw were, <laughs> I remember there was one time that I went in for my, like my first injury report and like I had to do um, nutrition for this, this injured person. And I walked in and I gasped out loud and they told you like don't kind of show emotion and stuff like you shouldn't show that and I gasped out loud I went out into the hallway I sat on the floor I almost passed out my my uh person who was watching over me was like let's go back to the office and she had to walk me back to the office because it was so terrible oh my god so yeah that's when I also knew I could never do like hospital work because I just am not good with that stuff like I get very crazy and like it's just not good um so I did experience some, not in the hospital, but clinical work. And I mean, I enjoyed the communication with uh, with patients and things like that. But again, I knew that I didn't want to work under a clinical setting. That was never like my goal with dietetics. I always wanted to go into private practice. That's why I think I loved the eating disorder private practice that I worked with so much because I just loved the environment and like the aura that private practice gave. And um, at the time I did have my coaching program before, like right before I started my master's degree with dietetics, I started my coaching program. And so I had that in the, in the back of my head, like maybe I could just take this full time, which I ended up doing right after graduating. Um, But yeah, I knew I never wanted to go into a hospital or do clinical too much. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember vividly like when I would communicate with the doctors and the nurses like hey you have a patient who just had like cardiovascular surgery and they're trying to order a cheeseburger and like this is like not on their meal protocol like I need you to tell them that they can't like I'll just give it to them like I don't want to I don't want to fuss with them anymore and I'm just like I'm trying to do my job and and you're not holding up your end of the bargain so I have now this patient yelling at me because they want this and I'm trying to explain to them, sir, you cannot have this because of this. And like, this is your job. (laughs) This is your recommendation. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely experienced that too. Luckily I had like, there was three dietitians who worked at the clinical place that I was at. And then there was there were like five of us interns. We, there were so many of us. Um, So we each kind of like had our own area that we had to be responsible for and so whenever I had a question or something I would go to the person in charge and she would kind of like help me out with what like instances like that because if you go to doctors they're really just like I don't know like they don't know much about nutrition which is crazy because like nutrition is medicine like food is medicine yeah and I feel like more doctors should actually know about 
food, but I guess that's why there's dietitians in hospitals, but yeah. they like just didn't know. So I would never be able to ask them questions. And I remember even just one of my like uh, bosses, I guess, supervisors, one of my supervisor dietitians, she was kind of really bad and would do things like that sometimes be like, oh, they're not at like high enough of a risk that like you need to alter their diet too much. And it's like, but you don't also want to get them there. And so I would always go to this other supervisor because she was always like, don't listen to her. She's wrong. Yeah. Do it. So I luckily had somebody that was like really into dietetics and took it very seriously that I was able to learn under and like just kind of go with what she was saying and like ask her all the questions, which was helpful. But yeah, it's crazy how like if you ask a doctor or anything or anybody else in that place, they'd be like, um, I don't know. Let me like get somebody else to help you. And I'd be like, get it. I'm just going to go back to the office and like ask my questions there. Yeah. I mean, your, your clinical settings sound way better than the hospital that I worked at because all the dietitians would be like, they basically like said like, yeah, we, we tell them like our, um, like recommendation for their diet protocol, but the doctors and the nurses have like all the power to override it. So like, if they say it's okay, there's nothing that we can do. Yeah. And I was like, cool. So what am I going to get my license for then? I don't want to do this. Yeah. I know there's definitely some things that I don't agree with in the dietetics world. And it is true that like, you can't order certain things for patients without a doctor's approval. And so to a degree where I worked at it was like you had to get approvals from them to do anything. However, they did work pretty closely. So I luckily got a good experience with like whatever the head dietitian there said, the doctor actually like took it into account and was like, okay, yeah, you can do X, Y, Z, or we need to order more like insure for the elderlies or like just anything that we needed to do for them. They pretty much didn't give us backlash, but I know that that is a very big thing. And doctors do hold power over dietitians with ordering stuff and it's just like you don't even know what I need to be doing so like for you to be able to give me the yes or no is kind of backwards like I don't I don't know why they get the power to say yes or no over certain things when they don't know enough about nutrition and to begin with to even give the right answer so yeah it's it's difficult working yeah. in that setting that's also why I knew I didn't really want to go into a hospital too just because of like some of the like backwards kind of things that you have to deal with as a dietitian yeah and and that kind of brings me to like my my next point like let's talk a little bit about diet culture in general because I know like a lot of things that I learned in my undergrad and just like what I know now from from working with like my clients I just feel like there's so much that we still need to improve on especially like when it comes to like just (laughs) just how diet culture has changed over the course of like 10, 20 years. Like I know like when I was growing up, you know, it was like mean girls and like you had to be, you know, a size zero or a size two. And I think it was like, you know, the height of, of eating disorders and, and all of those issues. And it's like, now I feel like it's somewhat gotten better, but also like the, the diets that used to be trendy before are now just like reincarnated in something else. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. I feel like, like my parents' generation dealt with a lot of that as well. And like, I remember some of the stories my mom telling me about when she was a teenager and her like, obviously gyms and stuff weren't as big back then for females. And I remember her yeah. telling me like she used to scrub her wood floors as exercise and would do it like all day long because of the diet culture back then and like society. And so they definitely had a lot of it. And I think that's what also kind of got passed down to us. And yeah. it never really ended until we began to like speak up about it. And I feel like it's a lot more open now. Like a lot of people openly talk about their experiences with eating disorders now than before. And, you know, there's, you know, health at every size now and just like a lot more uh, inclusive with different body types and different sizes instead of saying like you need to be stick thin and like have big boobs and like you're good to go. Like that was, I feel like, what society pictured as the perfect female and I feel like even just the shows, the commercials, 
everything from, again, my parents' generation, even to when we were younger. Like I've done a couple of these on my Instagram page, like um, the Bring It On movies. And I've done one with like the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders, that show, like the amount of times that people said, or America's Next Top Model, like you're literally tearing down females on a show just, and that's like the basis of it. (laughs) And like, that's what we watched when we grew up. And it was just, we were so consumed by that. And again, now I think it's a little bit better, but you still do see a lot of those things still happen. Like it is still very prevalent. I don't think that I've ever talked to anyone, like anybody that I've gotten on a call with. I don't think any single person has ever said that they don't struggle with this in some way. 99% sure, like not a single person has said that they don't struggle with it. And, And that's just even people that I just talked to. So it's majority of females still and males at this point and you know it's still definitely definitely a lot more work to go I like to see that it's changing but there's still just the amount of stuff that's said and what we consume and yeah I mean social media is like you know more more alive than ever and I think it's so much easier now for people to like compare themselves to to people that they see on the internet it's something that I, I commonly like will tell my clients is like, just because someone looks like that doesn't necessarily mean that they're healthy or doesn't necessarily mean that they're using like, you know, performance enhancing drugs or like whatever, not judging anyone like if they do or that they don't, but like, you don't actually know what they're going through. So like to compare yourself to someone else who looks like that, like is, yeah. isn't best thing for you. Right. And I mean, I'm even a perfect example of that. Like I, when I was in the height of my eating disorder, I had people telling me that like, I looked great and stuff like that. And I was really, really small. Like, I don't even know what I weigh now, but like 30 pounds less than what I weigh now. And like, I'm not overweight. And I wasn't overweight when I started my eating disorder then. So like, I was really, really small and people would comment on it. Yeah. But they didn't know that I was struggling so, so hard. And like, I was the furthest thing away from health. And it might have been portrayed that like, I was really, really fit, but I was super unhealthy. And pretty much every single way that you could be unhealthy, I was unhealthy. It just looked like I was fit, but I was not healthy in any way. Yeah. Can, can you, like, if you don't mind sharing like a little bit more about your experience with like your eating disorder, like how, I guess one, like, how did you, you even like know that you needed help and like, how did that affect kind of your overall life too? Yeah. So let's, let's dive in, shall we? This is, this yeah. is the last day, but, <laughs> um, so it started, like I said, my sophomore year of college going into my junior year kind of. Well, it was it was pretty much just my sophomore year. Um but it's first started off with a breakup. I was broken up with. It was a very toxic relationship in itself and I think that just weighed on me mentally a lot yeah. on its own like that was a whole nother thing. So I think it it would have caused some harm to me in some way anyway because it was just so toxic. But then I got out of that relationship and my first thought was revenge body you know I really wanted to like look really good and like show him what he was missing and like just kind of get back at him that was kind of the start of it all and then I just kind of took that way too far so to put it in context too I was playing division one soccer it was very intense and I had two hour practices every single morning I had team lifts three times a week and then on top of that when I when I started to be like you know I want to lose some weight and again I was not underweight or I was not overweight when I started this, like I was playing division one college sports, like yeah. I was fit and like, you know, I wasn't overweight at all, but I wanted to lose this weight because of this revenge body and like getting back at him basically. And so I started doing stuff on my own. So on top of the two hour lifts a day or two hour practices a day, plus the team lifts three days a week, I then started running on my own. So I would do like four miles a day. And then I also did some lifts on my own as well. So the days that I wouldn't do team lifts, I would go into the school gym and just do like machine work, but it was still, you know, lifting. And after I would run for miles and 
that was just the exercise part of it. And so right there, right off the bat, I was overtraining a lot. Like I was pushing my body way, way, way too hard. I had two games a week as well, which, you know, are 90 minute games where I'm just constantly running the whole time. And so I was just basically tearing my body apart and like running it into the ground. So I was overtraining a lot. And then I wanted to, you know, I was doing research on how to lose weight and saw, you know, you have to be in a deficit and all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, let me start tracking my macros. And I started tracking my macros, but I did it way wrong. I also, at the time, I feel like the people I was following on social media was only girls doing bikini competitions. So like I was just looking up to bodybuilders and that was like my golden, like I wanted to look like them. And I feel like YouTube was also really, really big for a lot of influencers at that time. Like Amanda Mm -hmm. Bucci, I don't know if you know her, but she was a bodybuilder. Um, She did a lot of bikini competitions and she like put everything about her life on YouTube. And I would watch her videos every single time they came out. I would like sit there and watch every single thing and copy exactly what she did on like her what I eat in a day is and like just try to be just like her and other people too and my Instagram was literally just flooded with bikini competitors and so I was like okay let me try to eat like them and they're like in the height of their bikini competition so they're eating not a lot and they have very specific protocols to get them to be stage ready I thought, you know, that would help me lose weight. So I was literally tracking macros and I was eating 900 calories, some days 850. And that was like 900 was pushing it for me. Like I was like, I'm hitting 900. I got to like make sure I'm really good next next week. And I, I think I still have photos of like what I ate in a day on my phone. I could probably scroll back and find those. But to give context to like what I ate in a day, it was like, I had practice early morning, so I wouldn't eat before practice. We'd have a two-hour practice, and then I would lift or have class. So I wouldn't eat until like noon first meal after doing double session already. And it was like a Quest bar, which I don't know why I thought Quest bars were good. They are so bad. The texture is like a rock, and they're just not good. They're (laughs) just so bad. And these are so good. I love Quest bars just because, you know, I was – trying to trying trick yourself into thinking yeah this is delicious <laughs> yeah literally just like trying to get myself to love it and so it was like a quest bar in the morning and then my lunch was one of two things it was either a bowl of yogurt with like the kashi goline crunch cereal stuff mm-hmm. in it and half a banana or I would have two caramel rice cakes with powdered peanut butter and half a banana drizzled with some honey those were that was either one was my lunch and then my dinner was half a sweet potato, whatever kind of vegetable, like green beans, broccoli, whatever it was. And then I had like half of a chicken breast and that would be my dinner. And so that's what I would eat all day on top of doing basically three workout sessions that day. And another thing I saw on social media somewhere was this idea that, you know, if you don't want to eat sweets at night, brush your teeth right after you eat your dinner. So I, where my kitchen was, it was like my kitchen and then my bathroom was literally the next door over. So I would literally, before I even cleaned up my dinner, I would go in the bathroom, brush my teeth, and then I would put away dinner and I would go upstairs and like lock myself in my room. And so that's all I would eat in a day. And so I just was idolizing the wrong people on social media and trying to look like them. And at first, like I'd lost weight and I was feeling really good and like, People like even my siblings and stuff were like, you look great. Like, that's awesome. Good for you in the very beginning stages. And then I just took it way too far. And I dropped a ton of weight. Like I said, I dropped down to, I think it was like 100 pounds max at the time. And I wasn't home either. So my siblings and my mom didn't see me because I was away at college. I remember having interventions with my teammates and they would sit me in a room and say, you know, what's going on? You're losing a lot of weight are you okay? And just ask me. And I would always brush them off. Like I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, but it wasn't until I got home from college that my mom saw me and she broke down. She was hysterically crying. She was like, what is going on? And she was just really, really worried about me. And I was like, I'm fine. Like, what are you talking about? And I think that same day that I had come home and this day that she was like crying and really worried about me, I had an appointment with my gynecologist, just like my yearly checkup. I went to her um, 
and she was like okay you've lost a ton of weight and it turned out that I eventually got diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea and that's when I knew I was like "Ooh, okay this is really bad yeah. and my doctor told me if I ever wanted kids in the future you know I would have to change my habits and like put on weight and stuff and get my hormones working again basically yeah. and I was like okay well I do want kids in the future and I don't want to kind of fuck that up for myself and that was like my aha moment that I needed help and so my mom being as frantic as she was sent me to nutritionists and then I ended up getting some help from there. Um, and it was scary. It was really hard going from what I've always known to like yeah. very quickly getting thrown into, you know, eating 2000 calories, like almost immediately. Like I, it was, it was a hard process to go through. Number one, yeah. it was uncomfortable because I physically felt like I couldn't eat that much. And then there was also that mindset part of it as well, that, I was afraid to gain all this weight back, even yeah. though I knew at the time, like once I talked change. to my guy now, yeah, I, I knew that I needed a change, but it was still just really hard for me to get to that point where I was like, okay, I'm doing this for the, all the right reasons. But yeah. I, you know, saw somebody for mental health stuff. I was with a nutritionist. So they kind of just like took care of me. Plus like my family was very supportive. My friends were very supportive of me. And then that whole like my end of sophomore year into juniors when I started to gain weight again, I gained that 30 pounds back. Um, I was feeling really good. Like all my symptoms kind of resolved itself. And then, you know, I was kind of on the other side of, of recovery and stuff, but it was, it was a rough journey. Again, I don't regret it because that sparked where I am now and yeah. I would not be who I am today without that. But it's very sad to see, you know, coming out of that and then seeing other women go through the same kind of ordeal and still struggle with it, even if it's not as intense as it was for me, just like having these thoughts and not being able to go and just have a cocktail with a friend and just like worrying about that, like all the little things. It, it's really sad to see so many females still struggle with that. Yeah. And I know you said that you, a lot of your symptoms like had went away once you really started treatments. Like what, besides, you know, like the missing periods and HA, like what other symptoms did you kind of notice during that time? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I noticed was that I was a class A bitch. I was so mean to so <laughs> many people. Like yeah. I just remember somebody would say hi to me and I'd be like, don't talk to me. Like, I don't want to talk to you. So my mood was terrible. I was so yeah. mean to everybody. And I am like, I mean, not to my horn, but I'm like the nicest person ever. Like I could yeah. not fly even when I argue with like my sisters. I'm like, I'm so sorry. After like five minutes, like I am very don't like arguing. None of that. And I was so, so yeah. mean. That was definitely prevalent for me was the mood swings were heavy. Also the fatigue. I felt like no matter how much I slept and like I wouldn't allow myself to go to bed past nine even if I was going to bed really early, I was so tired all the time. Like I could not function without having to take a nap, I feel like. And um, along with that is the brain fog. I, I could not like focus on anything in school. I was just like basically taking it minute by minute because I couldn't like think about anything else or just total brain fog. I couldn't remember a lot of things. I like studying was a struggle to study for my classes and exams and stuff. It was really, really hard. So that was an issue. And then um, oh, I was just going to talk about one other thing, but I forgot. Um, but yeah, mood swings, fatigue, the brain fog, the moodiness heavily there. My libido didn't have it, non-existent. Didn't yeah. care for like anything that has to do with like sex or anything like that. Like I was just like, it's non-existent. Um those were a lot of my like main main issues and also weak weakness I again I was working out all the time but I was so weak I could hardly like lift anything without feeling like like you know when you squeeze your hands and like sometimes you just feel so weak you can't even like make a fist like that was yeah. I could not like lift anything or do anything I was very very weak oh I can I can only imagine like just the amount of of exercise like plus how little like you were eating like of course you know your body was like yo yeah. hell <laughs> yeah oh my god but I mean thank god for for your support system like it sounds like you had an amazing 
support system and like people looking out for you. And I'm sure that that was really helpful because I know there's a lot of people who, who don't have that, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. And I think that's a really big reason why people struggle so much still is that they don't have somebody there cheering them on in the corner. Like it is a process and it's hard to go through, especially if you've dealt with it for so long, trying to basically rewire your brain into thinking other thoughts besides lose weight, get skinny and eat as little as possible. Like to totally rewire your brain and then think opposite of that, it's a hard process to go through. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle still because number one, they don't understand that enough, the implications that it could have on their body. And then also they don't have somebody there telling them, you know, it's going to be okay and supporting them. And it, it makes a huge difference having the support system. Yeah. I mean, you know, like <laughs> hopefully my parents never listen to this podcast, but <laughs> I love my parents so much, but like my dad and, and, and you know, like my stepmom specifically, they're they're very much like when I would come back from college, like they would always comment like, oh, you gained weight or like you need to lose weight and, and all these things. And like, I was never overweight. Like, yes, you know, I had gained some weight going into college, but I went from like a hundred pounds to 120 pounds, like very, you know, normal weight yeah. gain when you go from 18 to, <laughs> to 20 or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and like, even like now, you know, like I'll, I'll go through, you know, different stages of like my finisher. You know, like sometimes I'll be in a building phase. And so like, yeah, I might have like a little bit more body fat on me or I'll go through a cut. And like, it's always, you know, when I have a little weight, I'm like, oh my God, like you gained weight. And then when like I lose weight, I'm like, oh my God, you look so good. And it's like, can, can we not? Because you don't understand there was years where like, I really struggled, like same thing. I, it's not, you know, as bad as yours was, but like eating, you know, 800 to, to 1200 calories, like just shitty relationship with food like you know and I just it's just like that that era that they grew up with too is like and like they have very poor thoughts around food like oh I can't eat that like this is not healthy this is healthy because it says it's gluten-free or like things like that and I'm like just because this is not, you know, a vegetable doesn't mean that it's not healthy just because it, this says it's gluten-free or whatever, like, doesn't mean that it is healthy. Like healthy and unhealthy is so subjective because everyone's body is different. Everyone's needs are different. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up on like different diets too, mm-hmm. like keto or Mediterranean or, you know, carnivore diet, whatever it is like, yes, you know, one thing might work for you better than something else. But just because this works for you doesn't mean that this is going to work for the next person. So like, I want to hear your thoughts on <laughs> on like all the different types of things that are out there. Like, is there anything that particularly irks you the most about specific diets or like, what are your thoughts? I feel like, I feel like honestly, they all irk me to a certain degree. Yeah. Like, I just, the thing with like trying to lose weight and if you have that as your goal that is great but what people don't realize is that doing the most simple of things will allow you to lose that weight as long as you're consistent with those simple things so then they try to do the intermittent fasting and the keto and the whole 30 and the paleo and it's like stop trying to force yourself to do something that isn't as enjoyable, number one. Number two, can have other implications that go along with it and just do the regular things that you should be doing day after day consistently and you will see that progress happen. So things like keto irks me so much because the whole reason keto was invented was for epilepsy. That is the reason why keto is a thing. It's for epileptic epileptic patients who need to alter their diet to support that. Great. For them, wonderful. They should probably practice that. For everybody else, doing keto isn't a magic thing. And that's just, that's why I say like everything else irks me too, because everything is not magic. Intermittent fasting is not magic. You're probably just eating less because you're having a shorter time to eat the food. And most intermittent fasting studies are done on men. They're not done on menstruating women either. Yeah. And actually a lot of studies (laughs) don't show menstruating women like most studies do not have them being like the it's too complicated yeah way too complicated it's too complicated and so there's not a lot of research on it anyway and 
they think that this is going to be the end all be all. And what irks me the most with almost all of those fad diets is that people try it and then they realize it's not sustainable. They don't enjoy it. And so they get into the cycle of trying it, not liking it, not seeing a result, trying something else, not liking it, not seeing the result. And so they just are in this hamster wheel going on and on of trying every single fad diet that they can think of with little to show for it because they can't be consistent with it. And so that's in a nutshell how I feel about fad diets. Oh. And for certain people, do you need to do certain things? Yeah, maybe medically speaking, you might need to do certain things with your diet. Yes. But for the general population, I advocate for just working on the basic things first and getting yeah. super consistent with it. And I don't just mean for a week on a week off. I mean, super consistent with it. And if then, if you're doing all the right things very consistently, if you're not seeing results, then maybe try something else or get labs done and, and dive deeper into root causes. But for the general population, that's just like, I want to lose weight. Just start off with the basic things and get really consistent and really great at those things. And I almost can guarantee yeah. every single person would see the results that they want. A thousand percent. I think we overcomplicate nutrition so much, like so much and it's so ridiculous like I talk to so many women specifically on a daily basis who are like I've I've started to like really eat more healthy or or cleaner and I'm like what does that mean to you like like what does eating clean mean what does eating healthier mean like again so subjective and I think so many people focus on eating quote-unquote clean and that's another issue in itself because oftentimes when they eat super clean they're under eating they're most likely not getting enough protein. They're having a really unhealthy relationship with food because they're restricting themselves from what they think is unhealthy, like maybe going to grab drinks with friends or going out to eat or like not eating oils or, you know, like not enjoying a donut here and there. Yeah. Like there, there's just, I'm all for, you know, like trying to lower inflammation and like, you know, trying to to follow sometimes like more of an anti-inflammatory diet, especially, you know, when you are dealing with specific things, but like, come on, like you are human, you live one life. Like, can we just enjoy ourselves a little bit more? Yeah. Like, can, can we have a balance of I think I cut out. <laughs> my wonderful life today. <laughs> I, I got most of that though, but I, I totally agree. And I feel like also going along with that is that just by doing those things, like eating quote unquote clean, again, it's, it's not a bad thing because I'm all for nutrient dense foods because our bodies Absolutely. do thrive off of that. However, if you're taking it to an extreme, like you said, probably leading to under eating and also running into things like binging where you can't see a result because you do so well and eat super clean all week and then the weekend comes and you like overdo it way too much and then you're just again on this hamster wheel where you're not seeing the result because you can't be consistent with quote-unquote eating clean because you're doing it uh, in an extreme manner so I think it's important to understand what eating clean really means and yeah. understanding how to use that in terms of your health appropriately and not to the extreme. Yeah. yeah. So if, if someone wanted to like work on their relationship with food or nutrition, or, or let's say they wanted to start eating quote unquote healthy, but they don't know where to start, like, where would you, where would you guide someone to start? Yeah. So I always start small and add more. Again, it kind of goes along with fat diets and just like if you cut everything out, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be not enjoyable, not sustainable. You're probably going to fall off of that eventually because you can't sustain that level of healthy eating, quote unquote. So I always start small. I look at their diet history. I see, okay, what are you eating right now? What are areas that we can improve on? And you'll list out those. So maybe it's eat more vegetables, eat more fruit, 
have less soda, have less caffeine, whatever it is, I look at what we have to work with and then start on one thing. So maybe it is eat more vegetables. Maybe they get no vegetables during the week. So I start off very, very small, have one vegetable two times that week. Okay, great. Let's get consistent with that. After, you know, a couple of weeks, if they're doing that consistently, up the amount of days you're doing that. Let's have it five days a week until you're really re- consistent with doing that to the the like amount that you want. So maybe you want to eat vegetables every single day until we get to that point. We're slowly working our way up to that. So that's first thing is work with where you're at and compromise where you're at. It's going to be a lot easier in the long term if you take it slow and start changing your habits slowly rather than just changing everything at once. Like I say, you know, it takes 21 days to build a habit. If you are trying to do that with every single solitary thing, then, you know, you're going to have struggles with that. So that's number one, start slow. Number two, something that I love doing with my clients that have a poor relationship with food, and usually that revolves around different food rules like food timings, food fears, where maybe they fear like something like a bagel or just like have specific food fears. If you're looking to improve your relationship with food, what I love doing with clients is food challenges and actually challenging their food fears. So whatever that food fear is, maybe that is, you know, you're afraid to eat past 7 p.m., I'll say, okay, tomorrow night, I want you to eat at 7.30, 8 o'clock and see what happens. And I'll actually challenge them. And again, I think using that under guidance of somebody is very helpful so that you don't kind of spiral after using those challenges. But I'll challenge them with whatever food fear they have or food rule that they want to get rid of, set a challenge. And then I think what's also a really, really big component of doing that method is also reflecting on that. So I'll have them journal after they do that food challenge. I'll have them journal how they were feeling and how that affected them. So again, using the example of eating late at night, if I say eat at 8 p.m. tomorrow, I want them to do that food challenge and then write down How did they feel in that moment? The next day, I want them to write down how did they feel that next morning? What kind of thoughts were coming up for them? And just be reflective of what happened because nine out of 10 times or even 10 out of 10 times, they'll see that nothing catastrophic happened to them. They woke up the next morning. They were totally fine. They went on with their day and nothing bad happened to them. And I think that's what a lot of people fear with their relationship with food and these these food fears that they have is that something's going to totally throw them off. They're going to gain a bunch of weight overnight or they're going to be really bloated or they're not going to like look the way that like the way that they look in the mirror. And so I have them reflect on that to show them that those things are more mindset than actual reality for them. And that just doing those challenges over time, reflecting on them and showing them that it's okay to do that food challenge and, and show yourself that nothing wrong will happen by, by doing those things. So that's a method that I love to do with my clients. Whoever is struggling with a relationship with food and just wanting to enjoy food more that's one of the first things I do is ask them what their food fears are and do challenges with them around their food fears and then of course you have you know people who are just more afraid afraid to like eat more in general and so that's where again using it under under supervision and guidance and showing them you know going through something like a reverse diet and doing it slowly to show them that you're not going to gain 10 pounds in a week like it's gonna be okay um, and showing them how more food actually helps them with their everyday life. Like I have a client I was talking to recently who we're in a reverse diet now and we're in the very beginning stages of it. And she was like, no, I just want to go out and have a fucking cocktail and a piece of pizza and not worry about it. And like, that's the point that we're trying to get to and showing that yeah. them that with more food, you're able to do those things and have less repercussions, less bloating, less gut issues, more happiness and joy around food. Yeah. And you're able to go out and do that more often without having those replications that like, oh, I have to work out or I have to do more because I had this one thing. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, you know, you don't you're not hoarding literally all your calories for like one meal. Especially right. if you're only eating a thousand calories a day. Like what else are you gonna eat that day? Nothing. Yeah. 
don't don't ever do that <laughs> don't hoard calories yeah. it Please always don't. ends oh, up God. worse than you expect oh. it to be almost always I used to I used to do that and the the old coaching company I used to work with like used to recommend that to clients and I'd be like my clients I'm like I'm like don't do that <laughs> don't absolutely not like we are not saving calories for later like no no that has so many harsh like negative effects from that number one you're more likely to binge on that food because you're just so hungry your body's like fuck I haven't had food all day give me something and so those hunger cues don't turn on when they're supposed to and so you just like overdo it you binge then you feel like shit then you cycle next day doing more cardio or whatever it is and so you just kind of again stuck in a hamster wheel by doing things like that yeah and I, I think those steps that you gave are are like super tangible too. Like that's a lot of things that I do with my clients. Um, but if you had like to say one thing from someone to take away from this episode, what would it be? I would say number one. Well, okay, you said one thing. Um, oof, this is hard to narrow it down to one, but be wary of who you get your information from. There's a lot out there on social media and I know that it's so hard and confusing to follow one thing because one person says do x another person says do y and then you're just stuck like not knowing what to do and so that's when you start to just try different things and hoping that it works kind of throwing spaghetti at a wall and and hoping that it sticks be weary who you follow who you get your information from follow somebody that does have a knowledge base and education and some sort of not necessarily a certification, but has experience and enough knowledge to give proper education to you. There's a lot of fitness influencers out there that, like we said at the very beginning of this episode, look like they're very fit and healthy when they might not be. And so don't just follow the mainstream fitness influencers that you see online because a lot of the times they are uneducated and they don't know what you need specifically. And so I think my biggest thing would be be wary who you follow and get your information from and also know that this is something that I say to pretty much everybody, all my clients, health is more than looking super, super lean and small. Health is also enjoying the taste of food and the environment around you with different people you're celebrating with and spontaneously going on a trip because your boyfriend said hey let's pack up and go do this that is also what health is it's not just oh I can't go on that trip because I don't have my food prepared or I don't want to eat out and I'm afraid to have a cocktail with my friends so I'll be a hermit at home and fall into you know feeling lonely and depressed so health is way more than just you know eating clean all the time and being super thin Amen to that. <laughs> we we need like that on on a banner right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. That I think this episode is gonna be so helpful for for so many people. So where can everyone find you? I'm gonna leave all your information in the show notes, but shout yourself out. Cool. Um. So on Instagram, I am at jfay underscore rd. That's j-f-a-y-e underscore r-d um i also do have a podcast myself as well it is the health club with julia podcast you can find that on apple spotify i'm also on youtube with that too so those are my two main sources where you can find me at amazing i will leave julia's information all in the show notes um but i appreciate you so much for hopping on i feel like we can talk about this all freaking day oh my god i feel like i didn't even like scratch the surface on other things like hormones and like the way that it just like affects everything like there's so much more that can be talked about this but i think this is a good like mindset conversation to have with people about just diet culture and how it affects your life negatively um but yeah we're gonna have to do a part two i think yeah yeah i think i think we will there's so much more Next time we're going to cover hormones and, and how that all affects that and metabolism. Cause yeah, we, we just barely scratched the surface, but there's so much more that we could dive into. So, so, so much more, but this was really fun. I love just kind of getting to vent about it all too, yeah. because of just like, again, my experiences and where I've come from and where I am now, just like seeing different things. I'm like, oh, stop doing that. 
very exciting. Yeah. So just being able to vent. This was this was a lot of fun, and I hope a lot of people enjoy hearing about all this as well. Yes. Well, I appreciate you so much for hopping on. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please go ahead and give it a rating and a review. We love you so much for that. Um, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and I will see you guys in next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Glow Girl Podcast. If you love the episode, please share the podcast with your besties and tag me on socials. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any further episodes. And if you have any questions regarding today's episode, please feel free to direct message me on Instagram. I'd be happy to help. Thanks for listening. See you next time.